Hey guys, this is Jesus. I want to say, if you like this episode, please consider giving to our Patreon. The extra money gives us a chance to work on more stories like this, go to cons meet lovely folks like you folks, and a bunch of other stuff for the podcast. And if you have an urge to check out other genres of podcasts, check out the website. We played a bunch of different games. Anyway, I want to thank the following Patreon listeners. Struggle Bus, Brownie Davis, Tom Bransfield, Saren Kai, Rake, David Roberts, Brittany Wilson, Kevin Lovecraft, Thrandool, and David Bellinger. Thanks for helping these Klingons find their honor. I mean, there's nobody closer, right? Uh, no, sir. We are the only ships in this sector because no one cares about this sector. Well, I mean, I, I, we care. We care. I mean, I care. This is the most important sector. Oh, oh I, I apologize. Yes, here. yes. Because you're here, it's totally terrible. I think that's the proper word. I don't know. But yes, because you're here, it's important. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Captain. Well, if there's no ob- objections, I say warp seven. Then we shall Let's do it. We shall go. And you guys set course. Now make it so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's in Klingon, so it's a Damn. But uh <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Fanable Podcast Network, where we're going to a world in the future. A world that some would say is a utopia. I'm sorry, that's the Federation. This time we're going to the other side. We're going to the world, to the, to the Star Trek universe, but not the Federation with its rules and regulations and enlightened society, as they call it. We're going to the world of the Klingon Empire of strength, of honor, and courage, and backstabbing in politics. But that's, that's on the side. It's totally different. There are war, this is a warrior culture. We're dying in combat against a worthy foe is what's truly important. And thankfully, there's a war going on. The Dominion War. The Klingons have a worthy enemy. The so-called Changeling and the Dominion and their Jem'Hadar. They are clones, but they are worthy opponents. Worthy for any Klingon. But that's not the story of that side. For not many know that the Klingon Empire is vast. Not only in the Alpha, but also the Delta Quadrant. Was it Delta? Delta? Nope. Gamma? Beta. 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 I know my Star Trek. Uh, the Alpha and Beta Quadrant. And on the other side of the Klingon Empire, far away from the Federation, the Empire has numerous concerns it has to deal with. Normally, this would be taken up by various members of the Klingon houses. But sadly, they're all occupied with, you know, the whole Dominion Wall and Honorable Death thing. So a lot of problems are left to people who have, some would say, various positions of dishonorable status. People that they don't particularly care about. And there's numerous levels of that. But the lowest of the low is a crew of a particular ship. A bird of prey. That is not the most advanced. One could say it's ancient from the 22nd century, the time of the first ever Star Trek TV series. That has, of course, been retrofitted to, you know, work. And on this ship are those members of this crew. Yes, they are. The D-Team. So we start the camera, turns on, and 
we see space, the final frontier. The camera floats in space and sees a dot in the distance. The camera zooms in, and as I said, we see a ancient bird of prey. A ship that has seen better days. Scar marks across its bow, across its bow numerous parts of its wings. Parts that fizzle every once in a while that I'm sure will be repaired at some point. And the camera floats through the armor. And it first hits a large conduit with numerous wires running through it that are spritching with electrical sparks that need to be repaired. And inside are two individuals. One is a Lang, a Klingon, that a, a Klingon woman, a heavily built, strong warrior. Just looking at her makes you think, why is this warrior woman on this ship? But then you realize as she's working on a she's working on a particular panel, and the panel behind her instantly explodes. You see, the Klingons are superstitious people, and for whatever reason, whenever Elang works on things, things just go wrong. And well, you don't want someone that unlucky on the ship. And standing next to her, or oh, sorry, uh, more like sitting now because she he was shocked by that panel, is Orion Helm Officer Krihi. How do you pronounce it? Craig. Craig. <laughs> Craig. <laughs> please describe your, who you are and your character, please. So my character is the Orion Helm Officer, Craig. That's spelled K-R-E-E-I-J. And he, uh, he is dishonored and he is serving on this Klingon vessel because he used to be part of an Orion pirating rig. And uh, unfortunately for him, he was framed. Daughter's sex tape was leaked <laughs> and uh, accidentally sold by his pirating ring. And uh, his uh, his superiors made him take the fall. And so the Klingons took some mercy on him, realizing his value, and put him to work on this backwards ship. Yep. And Elon looks to you and is like, I am sorry, I do not know what happened. I, I press this button. And I turned the wheel, and it should have fixed all the electricity, but you know what? Let me try it again, one more second, and then uh, perhaps it could work, right? Maybe we should call someone else. You seem to be having some problems. No, I can do this. I can definitely do this. Let me just stab it with my knife. And she takes her dagger and stabs it. I need you to give me, first roll of the game, give me a fitness plus security roll. So what that means is combine your fitness and security. So that would be your 13. 13. Yep. And you'd be rolling two D10s, two 20-sided dice, and you want one of them, at least one of them, to be 13 or lower. One success. You don't take any stress, but you're somewhat electrocuted as the knife is in the perfect spot to basically turn that entire corridor into electrical death trap. Okay, maybe you should go. You have fun. <laughs> yep. And the, ca the camera moves from that scene, going through numerous corridors, to a medical bay, or what you assume is a medical bay. It's very different from the standard Federation. White walls, clean, with some blues to be calm people down. No, this is the, the red light 
of the Klingons. This is the place where, like, oh, you didn't die in combat? I guess we'll patch you up if we feel like it. Sturdy steel beds. Implements that look more like torture devices. And sitting on one of these steel planks, essentially, is this massive lizard-like being, a Gorn. Bigger than even Klingons, with his heated, uh, lizard-like face, heated breath. And he's massive, and he has a massive scar going from his shoulder all the way down the length of his arm. And he goes, I tripped. And explaining how he got the injury to Angela. Uh, hi, everyone. This is Angela. And today I am playing uh, Dr. Ruga, uh, or as they would, as he would uh, introduce himself, Dr. Ruga. Uh, FMA, Ferengi Medical Association. <laughs> As uh, this is a, even for a Ferengi, uh, short in stature um, man who is, uh, you can tell even in the 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 dark and harsh lighting of the, uh, the medical bay that this is a man who has attempted to take care of his appearance. He's dressed um, it, rather snazzily. Uh, what the dim lighting does hide is that it is very threadbare and careworn, probably is stained with blood from various aliens, mostly Klingons, given where we are, um, because there's not a lot of good tailors out here in this part of the Ferengi or the Ferengi <laughs> in the Klingon Empire. Oh, that's another thing that they neglect is is good tailoring. As the Gorn looks at you, explain, I tripped. Now fix. Looking at your arm. And Dr. Ruga will take a look at the arm and is muttering something like, I really don't understand. Why do you just I'm trying to explain what happened? I don't really care what happened. <laughs> I need you to give me a reason plus medicine roll, please. Actually, make it a reason plus insight. Uh, okay. Oh, wow. That's that gives me, yep, give you, me you, a 20. A nat 20? Well, no, I mean, like, that's like. Adding up insight plus reason is 20 for me. So I wait, think wait, wait. I... insight plus. Sorry, no, sorry. Sorry. I was like, insight. I meant insight plus medicine. I apologize. Okay. I yeah. mean, <laughs> I mean, it would be nice, but I'll take a 15. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I got a three. Very nice. And you know what? For funsies, just so we know the rules, uh, I'm going to say this includes your focus emergency medicine, just so we can get acquainted with the rules. So that means it's basically a critical success. Because when you use a folk, when you ha use a uh, work on a task that is tied to one of your focuses, uh, it increases your critical range essentially. So uh, you look at the arm and you really fix it, but then you realize why he's lying. This particular weapon is from a bathleth, and you know that this particular Gorn, whose name is, whose name is, there it is, whose name is Lar after a previous incident, is not allowed to touch a bathlet. And, and you know for a fact that if anyone found out, he'd be in trouble. Uh, I'm going to keep that information to myself at the moment until I can use it to my own benefit. Yep. And then with that, uh, Laura looks at it. Good! And then he uh, slams his feet down and walks out the door. As if there was any doubt that it was going to be good. <laughs> What'd you say?! Nothing. Nothing. That left. The camera zooms out of Meta Bay, goes and goes to another area of the ship that is full 
of body parts. Another area ship with that deep red light and steel. Uh, wait, I first think it's beds, but no, no, these are tables. And you realize you are in the ship kitchen. And there are numerous tables for numerous members of the crew to eat. And one quarter is where the ship's cook is well. Cooking, I guess, is the proper term, but not much is, you know, cooked in a Klingon kitchen. Most of it is just alive food. And inside is a large, uh, heavy set Klingon, but not, but not obese or anything. It's more like, you ever see those uh, videos of like World's Strongest Men where like, they're big, but you can tell like they can crush you with one hand? That's this dude. And he's there just putting some meat together, maybe putting a little bit of fire of various, various types of Klingon, like gach, as, as well as like, and some, some of his own recipes, like some various force of food with a pinch, just a pinch of pr prune juice on it, mixing it together, a massive bowl. And he takes the bowl to the only other Klingon on the ship, the first officer, and slams it down in front of him. And he says, Special for you. Joel, your character, please. All right. Thanks, Cook. Yeah, this is a uh, first officer, Benjamin Buckleman. I was, uh, I am Klingon. Yes, I was adopted. Um, you know, there was some tragedy with my previous family. I was adopted by a really nice pastor uh, <laughs> and uh, and his wife. They raised me in Cleveland. Um, grew up there my whole life, but I always felt like something was missing. So I went ahead and I made my way, you know, saved up my money, made my way through space, doing it and enlisted in the Klingon forces and had myself a pickle of a time. To be honest, I uh, the first ship I joined, we were we ran into this godlike squid thing flying through space. It impervious to all the weapons we had. So one on one, it wanted to negotiate with us and. As Klingon after Klingon went up and fought him, I just eventually talked to him for a little bit, and we figured it out. Unfortunately, it was just me and the captain left at that point. So uh, he did let us go, but when we got back, the captain was too ashamed of me to let me continue on his ship. So uh been a side of the guy ever since. Um, it's a good ship. I like it so far. Nice people, anyway. Nice one I'm used to. Mm, this, this food is taking some kids used to, so i tell you what. <laughs> Benjamin Buckelman. First officer, Benjamin Buckelman. Uh... Your palate, you are Klingon. You have the yes. stomach of a Klingon. All four, yeah? Yep. Four, two. <laughs> I'm told there's more than one. <laughs> but you're still not 100% used to Klingon food. I mean, especially because you're used to the weak food of the Federation with its, you know, various spices and, you know, quality assurance and all that stuff. So, what I'm going to need from you is I need you to give me a fitness, you know, yeah, give me a fitness plus security role as you try to stomach this particular new concoction of the chef. It's a 20, so I'm rolling, I got an 11. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, and, you def and, and, and a 16. Yeah, yeah, you definitely make it. Uh, the Klingon side of you comes in, like, you're able to eat it, and you're like, you know what? You can eventually get used to this. You know, I want a bunch of chili contests back home. Just the eating part, not the cooking. I'm terrible with the food. But, uh, yes, the last time you brought in thing called, what was it? Croissant? Disgusting. It's an acquired taste. I assure you, though, people do love it. It's really nice with some butter and, and some jam. Do we got prune jam? I think you'd like that. Prune jam. Tell me more. And the camera moves 
from that shot, going through towards the front of the ship, towards the helm, towards the main area where the captain sits. And and one there sitting uh on one corner is a shortish, lanky uh remus, a, a species with uh pale skin, jagged teeth, slinty eyes, and is there typing on away and he looks his and he turns towards the captain and says, Captain, we are receiving some sort of signal from deep space. It appears Klingon, but it has been cut. And the camera tours towards? I am Captain Mayok. Uh, you know, when Worf went looking for his father uh, above the Romulan ships, uh, you found a bunch of Klingons that were dishonored because we uh, were supposed to kill ourselves. We are never supposed to be taken prisoner. And, uh, well, uh, I wanted to live. So, uh, yeah, I didn't do that. And uh, when I, I, ha- I am uh, af- ashamed to admit that uh, when he did find me, I was uh, stage managing the community theater. <laughs> um, and uh, I was very good at it. And... Uh, so, you know, that's, that's what kind of put me on course, you know, being in charge of a, an entire production makes me a good captain. So. <laughs> so, because as, here's the thing about being a captain on a ship, and like, it's in the military, mm-hmm. like, it's 95% standing around doing nothing, being bored of your mind, and 5, 5% terror, and during that 95% where you percent showtime. Showtime, there we go, that's the proper way, I, I forgot it, sorry. <laughs> So during that 90%, what you like to do, what you do in your mind, of course, you don't, you know, tell anybody is you try to go over the shows that you've done as part of the community theater and you get kind of distracted. Mm. So as soon as that uh, Remus uh, looks at you, I want you to give me a presence plus command roll. So add your presence and command and then roll the 2d20 for me, please. The two two 20-sided dice for me, please. Add those two, and then give you two d20. Yep. And what you want is one, at least one of those dice to be at or lower than that number. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. So sixteen would be my attribute discipline. Yep. I rolled three. Ooh, yeah. And the two. That's basically two successes. You are a master of shifting your mind from one from from the state of theoretic theoretical theor- <laughs> Theatrical joy to command. And as soon as Remus turns, he's like, oh, that's, oh, I hear the squeaky chair. That's the signal. Pfft, command mode. And you see like, and you hear that message like, I see a signal that has been cut. Great. Decipher it. I cannot. It has been cut, sir. The message is not full length. As if perhaps a, the signal was partially blocked. I know the location, but I do not know what the message entails. Perhaps some sort of danger. Shall I go ahead and scan for the exact location? That's a great idea. You, you scan, scan, scan for the exact location, and uh, and see if any anything pops out at you. Of course, ma'am. And Remus turns and starts typing away. And it takes a little while. Like I said, the signal was cut. It's hard to get an exact location. And 
And after another two, three hours, Dorima says, I have the source of signal. Shall we go to the ready room to discuss it with the senior officers? Never get... Sorry. <laughs> Shall we go to the ready room and discuss this with the other senior officers? To the ready room. Yes. Pronto. Yes, we shall go. Yep. All right. And I'm assuming the captain sends out all a message to all the senior officers to go to the ready room. Everyone to the ready room now. Yep, that's the standard clearing on way of doing it. Everyone over here now. And yep, and you guys go to uh the ready room of what does the ready room of a Klingon ship look like? I want one of each of you to add one cool thing that's in this ready room. Velvet chairs. Velvet chairs. Klingons appreciate velvet chairs. There is a um a crest of the house of everyone who has been like the captain of the ship. Mm-hmm. So given that it's such an old ship, there is a lot of family <laughs> crests. It's basically wallpaper at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I was just noticing the uh, the big wooden table with all the knives just, you know, stuck into it. I just impressive every time I see it. I from my personal stash, I brought an oil diffuser. <laughs> I wanted to add some ambiance to the ship, but really it's because I can't stand the smell. So, you guys sit around this knife filled table. And in front of a screen is Doremus, uh, whose name is... Uh, where is that guy's name? There we go. <clears throat> Sanux. Sanux s- stands for you. Officers and captain, know that this world is the location of the signal. It is the world of Suran. Home to a primitive people that was long ago conquered by the Klingons. The people had a warrior culture, so there was respect from Klingons. The Tiths were small. Apparently they are good with bone carving. It's very popular in many sectors of the Aquinos. But anyway, uh, but there was, of course, a small outpost for Klingons to observe them and make sure nothing is uh, disrupted, either from the people or from outside sources, for it is a Klingon world. We are duty-bound to protect it. That is where the mission came from, and perhaps the fact that the message uh, is uh, cut means that somebody is attempting to take from the Klingon Empire. I have a really quick question. The what were small? You know, the weekly, the monthly rent due the tiss, yeah, C I T H E S, tiss, tiss. Oh. I can't pronounce it apparently. Yes, yes. Tithes. So, tithes. I know tithes. words. Tithes. I don't know what <laughs> I called. heard. I heard tiff, like is in like a small like argument or <laughs> tithes. Tithes. Yes, I don't okay. know why I called it tiffs. I heard something else. <laughs> <laughs> we were all just making up words. <laughs> so the tithes were small. Yes. <clears throat> But yes, something was must be in danger there. How far are we? It is, according to score, five-day travel mm. to arrive on world. If we go by warp seven. Captain, this 
I don't like the idea of there possibly being, you know, people hurt out there and we're not helping them. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? Do we got time for this? You know, I once was told it's a hard knock life. And this seems something right up our alley. We we should, yeah, let, yeah, let us wear. Any objections, the rest of you? I mean, there's nobody closer, right? Uh, no, sir. We are the only ships in this sector because no one cares about this sector. Well, I mean, I, we care. We care. I mean, I care. This is the most important sector. Oh, I, I apologize. Yes, here. yes. Because you're here, it's totally terrible. I think that's the proper word. I don't know. But yes, because you're here, it's important. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Captain. Well, if there's no objections, I say warp seven. Then we shall Let's do it. We shall go. And you guys set course. Now make it so. We <laughs> but it's in Klingon, so it's a Terrible. But uh <laughs> And you guys prepare to head out. Some basic information. Like I said, the Surinites are a a relatively primitive people, but a, a warrior culture, shorter than, say, a human, but with bluish skin, four arms, but tough in skin. Uh, but they tend to just use a primitive, they're at like the Bronze Age level. And as you're, that's what you know about the, about their species as a whole. And here's the thing about Klingons. Um, if you were, if this was like a Federation vessel, you'd have reams and reams of information about every bit of minutiae about the species. Klingons, not so much. It tends to be, is it a threat or is it not? Is it something we can use or is it not? So things about like the significance of their biology and compare and compares, compare and compra- com- compare and contrast, not really a thing. So what you basically know, the basic look of this species, what they can do, are they a threat, etc. And that's the basic suggest as you try to travel those seven days. So, question: Do you guys do anything in those seven days as you travel? No holodeck. No, no there wouldn't be a holodeck. No, but there's plenty of places to practice your bath left training. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we can do that. arpeggios. We could. We can. All, we can. We can practice our um, yes ands. I'm very into working with the captain on her yes ands and any kind of show, anything. I'm down. DTF with the captain. Yep. So you uh, two are. You guys are no, no, go ahead. No, 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 no I was gonna say like, yeah, you two definitely are, go off to a side to a side chamber and like practice your yes and and subtly try to invite other Klingons. It doesn't. No one really is interested. One hundred percent. Sorry. Dr. Ruga is looking over this admittedly minimal information, um, you know, ostensibly, you know, got to know, like, what if someone's trying to make them sick? Got to know how to cure them. Actually trying to figure out the ins and outs of their financial system. Um, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's like a primitive bartering, but but I've got really advanced stuff that could be really shiny to a bronze. A- so, yeah, I'm just preparing to um, become a god. <laughs> And the richest person on the planet. Nice. There's no, there's obviously no first contact protocol here. So 
uh, or uh, no prime directive I need to worry about. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm gonna get rich, make yep. that money. Yeah, Captain, we're gonna dazzle him with a show. Yeah, of course, <laughs> absolutely. I'm making a scheme to do a show that's obviously been done a hundred times before, but we're gonna pretend that it's ours, and we're gonna just completely knock their socks off. From what I understand, they're super primitive. They're, they, this is going to be something they've never even seen before. We could do anything we want. Anything we want. Anything and goes. And we will. First off, so are you doing anything in those seven days? Yeah, I think I'm going to go to the gym area and like uh, try to connect with some of the other Klingons on the ship. It's sort of like my whole reason for being here. And I, I feel like my inroads with the captain have been sort of blocked by the overzealous Craig. Right. They just they vibe in a different way that I can't really get into either. Yep. Uh, you go into the gym. Uh, Klingon gym is different from, say, a Federation gym with its advanced equipment. This is more like this is more like a 20th century gym, barbells, uh, lifts, and of course a place to practice your various forms of combat. And you actually uh, the only person there because everyone else is busy is Akran. A large brutish man who's actually just uh, basically weightlifting with a hand, uh, with one mm. hand, like what is essentially a barbell. <clears throat> Up his down with his both arms and switches hands. <clears throat> Do I recognize that as like counting or or a sea chanty or what would I? Uh. You don't know much about Klingon culture, so what I'm going to make you know? Yeah, you're trying. Uh, yeah, you know what? I want you to roll a insight plus, uh, sure, science. But I'm gonna roll need... twice. No, no, no. Uh, sorry, add your add your insight plus your science. Yeah, and then mm -hmm. roll two d ten. But you're gonna need two successes. Oh, two d ten or two d twenty? Two d twenty. Sorry, two d twenty. I apologize. I had a sixteen and a thirteen. Did you succeed in both? Uh, insight and. Uh, no, neither of those would have succeeded. It has to be under, right? Yep. You have no idea. Okay. It's going to, like, under my breath, sort of try to find the rhythm and sort of... And I'll find something else in there to, like, pick up in this in time and sort of try to sync our movements a little bit. Yep. And as you, you think that's weird? Yep. As you, cool. Yeah, yeah. As, as, he's, as he's doing that, because you feel your role, he's like, you're, you're just... Because you don't have the right inflection for it, it's like hiss, 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 and he stops and like slowly slows down and just looks at you. I'm just gonna put the weight back and I'm gonna walk out. <laughs> and the door closes behind you. It's Homer disappearing into the book. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And eventually, you guys arrive on the world of Sarun. Now, the world itself, overall, is colder than the Klingons would like. That's why it's not been chosen as a possible colony. So that's why they, one of the reasons they allowed the, the, the Sarunites to do whatever they want. So, and as you slowly fly around, you look at the... You look from the data banks at the various points that you know there were supposed to be, not necessarily cities, more like 
hut centrals where numerous huts have of perhaps a thousand or so in each hut central like townish areas like i said there are primitive people have bronze age technology but they at least at least culturally don't have like major cities there's no babylons it's much more primitive than that but as you at least scan around you notice a lot of them no all of them have been burnt down this looks bad those poor people and it definitely wasn't like this before right i didn't read the the briefing is this normal is this what it's supposed to look like i mean uh, first officer i can't read and i'm sure that this is not what it's supposed to look like indeed right. it's not i mean there's some places in ohio that look like this i'm just curious just trying to, you know, figure things out. So don't mind me. You guys keep going. But uh, Captain, can we help him? Are there any survivors? Are there are there people around? You what, do, what, you do detect, uh, doing a scan, you do detect life signs in some of the cities. Well, those sparse. It's not the thousands upon thousands. There's few in each. So it's up to you where you go. Now, I'm going to put some cultural things in here. Uh, the, Fe- the Klingon Empire doesn't have this whole, like, protect all lives thing that the Federation has, but they do have an honor system. This is a Kling- officially a Klingon world, and it was attacked. By their honor, they have to defend it. And the fact that these people were destroyed on their property is a slight on the Klingon Empire. Captain, yeah, so we should go to a place where there's the most life signs and try to find somebody who can tell us who did this. Uh, Yeah, like a... Uh, perhaps a bar or a restaurant where people might be gathered. Is that is that that's or or, or uh, maybe they have some sort of theater or space. Uh, maybe maybe everyone's sure. just congregated. I'm gonna take the captain aside. I'm gonna take the captain aside for a real quick second and be like, "Look, captain, yeah. you, you yeah. gotta you gotta get your head in the game. Think about this. This could be." the basis of a story written about you people could write about, about you in the future and they could make a show about you and how you defended the klingon world come on captain take charge i mean i mean this is it does kind of look like an elephant graveyard from like lion king you know like it's this exactly. to be like my scar moment sure yeah that's the, that's the side you want to go with yes but just do it okay 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 Okay. Uh. So, yeah, yeah, all right. We're gonna do it. Let's. We're gonna. Uh. We're going to look around and see if we can find some people. All right. And you guys are going to. I'm assuming one of the burnt down, townish areas. Now, in proper Star Trek uh, logic, of course, the command officers are gonna go down to investigate because that's the way it's supposed to be done. So don't don't ask questions. Let's do it. And you guys fly. Start to fly the shuttle down. And I'm assuming our Orion Helm officer is the one that's going to be flying, right? Cheers. Sweet. I need you to give me a con plus, uh, yeah, you're, you're calm about this. Give me a con plus control roll. Okay, that is a 12, 2D, 2D20? 2D20. Two successes. It is smooth sailing as you fly down. Oh, which reminds me, I forgot about this one rule. Uh basic gist uh you only needed one success but you got two successes in that role any extra successes you have 
become part of your momentum pool, which is a, basically a group pool that you guys can use to basically enhance roles and do other stuff in the game. It's all in the rule sheet I gave you. So I'll give you a suggestions as the game goes. But right now, you have one. You technically would have more, but yeah, I forgot to keep count, so it's fine. Uh, so let me just write that down in the stores. Momentum one. Okay, so you got one ready to use. Anyway, you guys fly down towards the edge of what's left of this particular town. All burnt out. The various huts burned down. Some of them were actually made of stone, and they seem to have been vaporized. Uh, looking at it, it seems like, and because you're scaling your ship, I'm, I don't think you need to roll for this, like, some of it was done from orbit. But some of it was done with what looks like phaser, no, disruptor fire. What kind of disruptors? Give me a science plus a reason roll. Alright, so I got one success. I got a roll of five. It's not any of the standard races, at least definitely in the Alpha Quadrant, and none of, none of the major ones that you're aware of in the Beta Quadrant, necessarily. But you definitely know it's not like Romulan or anything like that. Yeah, that was my, that's a big question. I hear Disruptor, and I think uh, I think Romulan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's, not, it's none of the standard ones you know. So yeah, I'm going to start rattling that off, and um, uh, like kind of process of elimination. It's not a Romulan... Uh, you know, X-15, it's not a Cardassian B-12. Um, there's definitely some in there that if there, there was a weapons expert here, they might be like, wait, was that a real thing? Or is he just bullshitting? <laughs> um, but he's very confident in his delivery. Can I, can I interject on that point, actually? Because as my time as an Orion goods securer and transferer, one of my values is that I have an eye for rare and or fancy sort of equipment and goods. Yes, you do. Ooh, I like that. That is a good, good use. You know what? I'll allow you to roll for this. Go ahead. And you only need one success on this roll. One success. One success? Five and a twelve. You... You're, the Orion don't generally go to this side. They generally live, uh, work in the Alpha Quadrant, but when there's a chance to work in the Beta Quadrant, they take it. And you've heard, looking at the pattern of this disruptor fire, you realize it's unique because there's only one race, at least in this sector of the galaxy, that uses it. A species you don't actually know a lot about, you only saw the weapons. Uh, a species known as the... Kinshaya. But that's all you know. You don't know much about the species. You just know about the weaponry. But you definitely know it's a Kinshayan weapon. Do I know anything about, like, where they hail from? If they're near to this sector? If they're not so near to this sector? You know what? Yeah. You would know that they're near to this sector. But you don't, wouldn't know about their culture or anything, because that's not... You're a pirate. You don't care about that sort of stuff. We're on the ground right now. We're... Yep. Uh... Yep. Walking towards, I guess, a gathering place, be it bar, theater, sportsplex. Yep. You look around as you start walking through what's left of this place. You do see that it's mostly burnt down, especially, uh, uh, Captain. I mean, you realize something as you walk into this town. This place is burnt down, but you realize the center of this place was a theater. This is a culture, like a war culture, but also prized. 
theater and performance. And it's all burnt to the ground. Do you see this? This is ex built exactly like the ancient globe theater in Shakespearean days of old world earth. This is a travesty. <laughs> you have to find out who did this. <laughs> and as and, and seek revenge. So do I tell the group at this point that I recognize the weaponry and the fire and that I know that at the very minimum, it is a species called the Kinshaya. Yep. I don't know How long have you known this? Have you been holding this information back this entire time? I just recognized it because I recognized the impact of their weapons on these poor defenseless people. I recognize it from my days as a very expensive goods trader. And I'm going to say, Captain and First Officer, you guys know because you were giving a, a brief about at least this sector of space. You weren't basically thrown to the wolves immediately. And you know the Kinshine are sort of like a bird-like uh, humanoid creature, uh, race, that lives in a small cluster of stars. Uh, they have been fights between the Klingons and this race for a while, but they are a tenacious species and they've officially been uh, pronounced not worth the trouble because their species, at least their culture, is extremely religious. And they're all believed to be extremely fanatical in their whatever faith that that would be. The culture itself is extremely, extremely xenophobic. It is believed that some of the worlds they now claim as their own, before the Klingos came around, may have once had sentient races. Not anymore. They are a race that truly believes they are a superior race, and everyone else is a heretic that must burn. But they've mainly kept to their sector of the galaxy. At least until now. And this is information that we know. That's information you two would know, yes. Okay. You know what else I know? You know what else I know? Because they are bird-like creatures, they also have amazing vocal cords. Thus, the theater in the center of their town. They, they, can, they can belt. They can sing soprano. Canaries, I tell you. Captain, I, I believe these singing canaries are the ones that destroyed this town. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what I was trying to say. It was, it was, it was their weapons. It was, they are the ones who did the, the, the destroying. Oh, you, you know how I go from like, just right. I'm in the moment and only thinking about, the, and then back to where, yeah, that that the, you said the same thing during worlds. the briefing. Uh, you said the same thing during the briefing about the, their singing voices, yeah. and, and once again, it's, it's really that they're sort of a spiteful, hateful, you know, destructive fanatical yeah, yeah, uh yeah. people more than uh their vocal range but um think less yeah, sparrow more can, like a, uh like a yeah, yeah they look, like a like they a actually spooky look, mormon hell dream yeah yeah they, mm. they they actually look like if you ever seen the dark crystal they look like skessies but without the hump yeah. and much more warrior like oh got it got it got it got it so then more of like yeah okay mm -hmm. Oh, in conclusion, they're the bad ones. Hmm. They're the bad ones. Yeah. 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 Uh, we should kill them. Hmm. Yep. And as I, you, uh, uh, they're talking, you do suddenly hear the sound of disruptor fire off in the distance. 
But not near you guys, but farther off. You're not, be, you're not getting shot is what I want to emphasize. Okay. I, I understand. <laughs> I, still I was ducking me. because she, she, the doctor is screaming and I didn't know, which is very startling. <laughs> I was trying to protect my captain by, by flailing in front of them. Thank you. Yep. So what uh, do you guys do hearing that disruptor fire? Hide. Duh. I we should run towards the battle, right? I think we should gently saunter towards the battle, towards a uh, advantageous viewing point of said battle to analyze our next move. Let's, let's climb to the highest vantage point so we can see which what's going on. All right, so you guys are traveling over there. And I'm going to say, you don't need to roll for this. You start traveling in that direction. And as you're walking forward, you hear the odd disruptive fire, then it stops for some for a bit. And I am going to say, who's in front? Not it. I'm doing okay. I was going first. to volunteer you. No, first <laughs> officer, Benjamin Buckleman. Yeah, you're, you're traveling through some thick woods. But with your scanner, you see someone is rushing in your direction. Okay. All right. So I've got the Batleth out, I presume. Yeah. Been using it to to cut. If as long as it's not a dishonorable thing to do, I'm mm-hmm. checking with Captain. I'm using it like a machete to uh, cut my way through the woods, unless that's disrespectful in some way to our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you see someone coming up. Um, so I guess we'll freeze, stop. Yep. And look forward. Do you guys stop and look forward? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I do. What do you see, first officer? It looks like there's something coming this way. Uh, you're in a something thick... Wicked? Si- <laughs> this way it comes? <laughs> what? You're in a thick woods, as I said, and bursting out of some... Into the woods? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I, I just kind of give them like a like a weird <laughs> high five, high five. Bursting through the woods, through some tall grasses, is a Saronite, a five foot tall, blue skin with four arms. Uh, one hand carrying an axe, the other hand carrying an axe, the third hand carrying basically four axes. Rushing hmm. forward and stops and sees you, and, and it basically says it takes a while for the the translator to translate. Gosford above, you have come to save us. Yes. Thumbs up. Right, Captain? We'll save these guys. I am thank- And then you see a disruptor hit him in the back and he's vaporized. Screams! (laughs) Or screams! (laughs) And right behind him, rushing in, you see four of these Kenyashians. These sketzy-looking guys without the humps, so tall. Uh, They're abnormal, like, they're very tall, like seven foot tall, but sort of skinny, like, you know, thin little birds with with what looks like disruptors in one hand and knives in the other. And he stepped through and he says, mm, heretics. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Fandible. If you liked it, then head on over to Fandible.com. We've done a lot of games and I'm sure there's something there you'll like. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Discord. If you find a few dollars burning a hole in your pocket, 
then you can go to Patreon forward slash Fandible and become a member. You get early releases and access to special Discord chats, and we get to keep the lights on. Finally, please give us a rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. It's super helpful, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.